Amen. Wonderful singing this morning. So thankful to sing about God's grace. Thankful to th- sing that He is our vision, no matter whatever befalls, that the Lord is our vision and we ought to be focused on Him and serving Him with our lives. And thankful to be able to join together with you this morning. We're going to dismiss our children out now with uh, Mr. James, I think. He's heading out to junior church as he runs off, playing the chapel, or chapel, the cello this morning. Doing a great job. We're thankful for that. I want you to take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the book of Philippians. Aren't you thankful that God's Word has everything that we need to know to be able to live, to be able to live the life that God wants us to live and be able to serve Him? In Philippians chapter 4, we're going to take just a week or so here out of Colossians again. As we think about our current situation, I want to challenge you this morning, and I think it goes well with our theme for this, this year, to walk worthy in your crisis, to walk worthy in your crisis, no matter what that may be, and uh, whether this is your current crisis that you're in, or you've been through another, or you're currently going through something in your life, God's Word has wonderful hope for us and wonderful answers to our every need. I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. You follow along as I read out loud. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. You know what that means? It means don't be full of care for anything. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, don't forget that part, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. All these verses have dealt with our thoughts and our emotions, but notice verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. The author of the book of Philippians under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost was the Apostle Paul. And he wrote this book as he was locked in a prison. Clearly he was thinking about the potential end of his life because in Philippians chapter 1 he says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul knew what it meant to face death. Paul knew what it meant to live in a crisis, and yet he was still able to write great words of encouragement and joy. It's because even in his crisis, he was able to be focused on something that's bigger than any crisis, than any problem, than any issue, than anything that comes up in our world. He was able to be focused on his Lord and on his service to God. So this morning as we Look at this passage together. I want you to notice six things with me that no matter what comes in our life, we can have hope, we can have joy, we can have the right focus as God wants us to have. I love the story even of Peter as he was in a storm himself with the other disciples on the boat that day and Jesus was, came walking across the water to the disciples. And Peter says to the Lord, he asked, you know, can I come out? Can I walk to you? And Jesus said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat in the midst of a storm and he began to walk on the water. The only man to ever do that other than Jesus Christ himself. And he was able to walk on those waves in the middle of a storm as long as he kept his eyes on the Lord. Now when he took his eyes off the Lord, he began to sink. I think that's a good example for us even right now. Because it's so easy with all the stuff around us to take our eyes off the Lord and begin to sink. I know even this week as people have rushed to the grocery stores and stock up on everything that they need and don't need, it's been kind of crazy. 
When I went to go pick up donuts this morning, everybody said, well, I'm glad nobody's fighting over the donuts today. I said, I know I was ready for a fight. I came down here ready to battle for some donuts because I would have some boys and girls at church that would be really upset if we didn't bring donuts for them and maybe some grown-ups too, I don't know. But everybody was calm and everybody was able to get their donuts and everybody left happy today. And uh, they were all talking about all the excitement going on around them. But no, I did not have to get bruised or beaten up for your donuts this morning. I was able to do that safely, no problems whatsoever. In fact, just a lot of smiles and friendly people from all the regulars at Shipley's this morning. We had a good time together. But we're talking about a crisis here, not a, a donut crisis, not something that is some people's crisis, there's a great concern in our world today. It's a worldwide concern. It deals with all kinds of health issues and people are concerned, people are nervous, people are afraid. But I think here in Philippians 4, there's some wonderful truth that we need to consider about how we can walk worthy in this time. Walking worthy is not just when things are good. Walking worthy is not just when things are easy. Walking worthy is not just when everything seems okay. We are to walk worthy all the time. And in every situation that we face, we need to walk worthy of our God. Notice, first of all, in verse 4, he starts right off in his challenge to us and encouragement to us. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And he says we are to do it always. Do it all the time. Always rejoice in the Lord. And if that wasn't enough, he hauls off and says it again. And again I say, rejoice. Now we live in a lot of circumstances right now that don't bring a lot of joy. But folks, we still serve a God that deserves our praise. We can be praising the Lord and rejoicing in the Lord even if our circumstances don't give us a lot to be joyful about. Circumstances come and circumstances go, but we serve a God who never changes, and that's a reason to rejoice this morning. I want you to think about this. We can rejoice in God's character. We can rejoice that He never changes. We can rejoice that He has all power. We can rejoice that He is in control. You know, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that God meets out the heavens with a span. In other words, He can hold all of the skies and the stars and the universe just in the palm of His hand. What a mighty God we serve. And we can praise Him. We can rejoice in Him because He's in control. We can rejoice in Him because He is good all the time. Right, Brother Larry? God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Yes, sir. I'm thankful that God is good all the time. He is always loving. He is all-knowing. The Bible tells us He will never leave us or forsake us. I love the verse that says, He will not suffer us above that we are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. We live in a time where things are uncertain, things are unknown, we're unsure of what to do next, but we can and we must rejoice in the Lord. I would encourage you when you get up in the morning, rejoice in the Lord. Start your day off praising Him. God, what can I praise you for today? Spend time in His Word. God, what have you taught us about yourself that we can praise you for? Not only can we praise Him and rejoice in His character, but we can rejoice in God's plan. You know, God's plans will always be completed. God never started something that He didn't finish. The Bible says, Faithful is He who hath called you, who also will do it. He will perform it. He will complete everything He sets out to do. God's plan is not done for us yet. You know why I know that's true? Because we're still here. Amen. And when He's done with us, He'll take us home. Yes. 
And I'm looking forward to that day. We can rejoice and praise Him because He always fulfills and completes His plans. And you know what else about God's plans? The Bible tells us that they are always good for us. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans, He says, not to harm you, but to help you. To give you hope and a future. There's a lot of people need hope right now. Well, what do we turn? I don't know. I mean, can God really help me? How's God going to figure this out? God doesn't need to figure it out. He already had it figured out. He already knew about it. He foresaw it. It didn't surprise him. Nothing uh, caught God off guard. Yes, it catches off, us off guard because we're just humans. But we serve an almighty God who knows it all. But I want to remind you, though, that God's plans are bigger than you and me. Because sometimes we kind of live our life, and really a lot of the time, I think, with it kind of wrapped up around ourselves. How's this going to affect me? What's this going to do to me? What's this going to do to my family? And we do have to have those concerns. We've got to take care of the people God's given us to take care of. But understand that God's plans, while they include you and me, they are bigger than you and me. And God is faithful to fulfill His plans. We can rejoice in the Lord because of His character. We can rejoice in the Lord and praise Him because of His plan. But we can also praise Him and rejoice in Him because of His great work. God's work. God desires, the Bible tells us, to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. You know, God can take us through difficult times because He wants to test us. He wants not to destroy our faith. That was exciting. I'm going to mute this and find a different microphone. God desires to change us into the image of Christ. And he does that through all kinds of different things. Good times, bad times, hard times, easy times. They can all be used by God to shape us into the image of Christ. We can rejoice in God's work. I'm so thankful that we can rejoice in the fact that God is still saving souls. We had a wonderful group of people out yesterday to help share the gospel with a bunch of boys and girls and their parents. I know of at least one man that heard the gospel and prayed to accept Christ yesterday. Now, in all the crisis around us, God didn't stop saving souls. God's work is still going forward. And many other people got to hear the gospel yesterday. You know, God is still building His church. In fact, Jesus said that the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. What a blessing. We can rejoice in God's work, souls being saved, souls saved out, witnessing, going house to house. Many church families involved in outreach this week, people involved together studying God's word and, and building those relationships, helping to make disciples and fulfill the Great Commission. Work goes forward on our building. Even this week, uh, we got a yellow stripe outside. We got some new uh, entrance carpet to make things look a little nicer. Some people built some shelves to put them up so we can put a camera up and show the live stream this week. Things are moving forward for the Lord because God's work is not finished. And we can rejoice in His work. Friday afternoon, I was up on the roof of the building that we're helping to purchase for New Life Baptist Church and standing on the roof and taking pictures of the skyline. While I'm doing that, one of our men's down sharing the gospel with a homeless man who's been camping on the front porch of the building. There needs to be a church in that community because there's people there that need Jesus. God's work is not done. He's still going forward. We can rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm looking forward to 
you know, health permitting, weather permitting, all those things going on. If the Lord wills, April the 19th, we're going to go down there Sunday evening and have a special dedication service for that building and for that church as it gets started. That's going to be a lot of reason to rejoice. Look at what God has done. Look at what God is doing. Looking forward to even celebrating Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, just coming up in a few weeks. In fact, this week we had some invitations that uh, have been counted out and sorted out. We have maps back here. I'd encourage you when you leave today, take somebody, take some invitations and take it to somebody. Invite them and share the gospel with them. I was texting with Michael Morris yesterday. He just got back from Mexico. He and his family aren't able to be here this morning. But he told me they had at least 10 souls saved this week in Mexico. If you aren't rejoicing in the Lord, it's because you haven't taken time to consider who he is and what he's doing. And I would challenge you this morning. Yes, you may not rejoice in your trip to the grocery store to battle it out over toilet paper. But you can rejoice in the Lord this morning because he is good. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. So number one, and I don't know, I don't normally do this, but I have six P's this morning. So number one P is be praising. Be praising the Lord. Number two, be poised in all situations. Look at verse number five with me in your text. Let your moderation be known unto all men the lord is at hand in times of great crisis we tend to people tend to the world tends to lose control and you see how very quickly things can spiral into chaos and i would challenge you if you're a believer this morning act with moderation be poised. The, the word here could mean sweet reasonableness. I don't always have to be first in line. I don't always have to fight for myself. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. He's near. He's close by. What have I to fear when my Lord is near? The Lord is at hand. Be poised. Randy Alcorn said, Satan wishes to destroy our faith through suffering. God desires to refine our faith. Maybe, just maybe the Lord would allow this to refine our faith, to give us opportunities to share the gospel with others who have questions and don't have answers. And the Bible has the answers, not only to give us joy and give us focus, but to be able to give salvation to those who are lost and in need. And maybe, just maybe, because of this current situation, they'll understand that they really do have a need. Somebody said, you can't be saved until you first understand that you're lost. It's hard to save somebody who doesn't know they're drowning. But right now, people are feeling like they're drowning. They're not sure which way is up. I'm thankful we can point them to the way that is up. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Exercising poise as we walk with the Lord provides rest in His security. That God is near. There's great security knowing that our Lord is near. It's just like when my children are close to me when they're little. They aren't afraid because Daddy's close. I, I've been in a crowd. Have you ever had this? And you're walking along and all of a sudden somebody else's child runs up and kind of latches onto your side. And all of a sudden they look up and go, wait, you're not my daddy. Where's my daddy? Why? Because they're looking for security. We were down out and about this week and you know my little ones would run up and grab onto my leg. Why? Because they want to be close to daddy because there's security when your father is near. And there's great security when our Heavenly Father is near. And because we have great security, we can have moderation. 
Poise provides rest in His security. I love what Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6 say. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. What a statement. The Lord is my helper. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. The world we're in right now doesn't want to be still, does it? Everybody's afraid of being still. What's going to happen if we're still? What's going to happen if I can't go out? What's going to happen if, with my kids for the next few weeks and I don't know what to do with them? My kids are like, well, we homeschool anyway, so we still had to go to school. We didn't get a days off, and it just keep going. It's rough, I know. But silence, I would tell you, stillness will increase your sensitivity to the Lord. And as you walk closer to Him, it will decrease your anxiety. Be still. Poise not only provides rest in His security, it also provides rest in His sovereignty that God is in control. Job 23.10 says, But He knoweth the way that I take. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever seen those mapping apps that you can pull up and it'll show a map of every place you've been in that day? That's kind of scary because you're like, somebody's watching that and they know where, you know, I don't know if I like that. But as we carry around our cell phones and everything else, and if you have the tracking things turned on, it, it, it knows where you've been. It knows where you've walked. It knows where you drove. It knows what places you went to and, and maps all those things out. You know, God didn't. God had that technology from the very beginning. God doesn't need GPS. He knows. He knows the way that we take. For God to know it isn't. It isn't just a, a knowledge that He knows about it. God knows it because He's intimately related to it. God has a close relationship with us. He knows the way that we take. And when He's tried us, we will come forth as gold. In other words, the way that we take, God uses it to purify us so that we can be like gold. I'm thankful that God knows our way. We can rest, be at peace, be still in what He's doing. One hymn writer, a lady by the name of Margaret Clarkson, said this, The sovereignty of God is the one impregnable rock to which the suffering human heart must cling. The circumstances surrounding our lives are no accident. They may be the work of evil, but that evil is held firmly within the mighty hand of our sovereign God. All evil is subject to Him, and evil cannot touch His children unless He permits it. Job understood that. He learned that. God is the Lord of human history and of the personal history of every member of His family. Wonderful statement. I read this to some people yesterday. I found it interesting. C.S. Lewis, the author, maybe some of you have seen this, in writing about living during the atomic bomb scares as it was just had been invented and everybody was worried that there was going to be an atomic bomb dropped at any time. Listen to what he said. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? He said, I am tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year. 
Or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. You know, he's right. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, and that's anesthesia. But we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. Wow. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that but they need not dominate our minds. It kind of sounds like he wrote that yesterday. It applies, doesn't it? For a Christian, we can exercise great poise because the Lord is at hand. But he doesn't stop there. I'm so thankful for all these reasons. I've just given you two. There's four more here in this passage. You see, when God encourages us, it seems like He just fills us up and keeps filling us up and keeps filling us up so that we would have something to carry us through, to turn back to, to look upon, to remind ourselves who God is and what He's doing. Notice in the next verse, verse number 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. If we are, first of all, to be praising, secondly, we ought to be poised in every situation. Number three, we should be praying about everything. Be praying about everything. The illusion of control will always develop anxiety. And that's why people feel so anxious. The people that are out fighting each other. It's because they, they want control of their situation. If I have enough stuff at my house, then I'll be in control and I'll be okay. And that's so foolish to think because one little tiny thing could throw all that into a mess as well. Stop trying to control your situation and instead pray. Don't worry. Pray. Now, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't act with wisdom. It doesn't mean you shouldn't wash your hands. It doesn't mean you ought to exercise common sense. God's told us we should exercise common sense and use the abilities that He's given us to be good stewards of the bodies and the talents and the energy that we have. But we don't have to be worried. We can pray. I'm thankful for some today who their doctor said, don't come to church. So they're home this morning and many of them are watching us online right now. But they don't have to be worried. They're where they're supposed to be. They're following good direction. They're trying to behave as they should to take care of themselves and of their loved ones. And they can pray, just like we can pray. Notice the kind of prayer that we are to have, though. We are to pray without worry. He says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. So don't worry pray. So pray without worry. Psalm 56.3 says it this way, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I will trust in thee. 
Anxiety will take your thoughts captive. Anxiety is worry. It's sin. It's lack of trust. It's pride. Worry is a mental state that you either actively or passively accept. Worry is something that should be repented of because it is showing a lack of faith. Philippians 4.6 teaches us to turn every care into a prayer. Take every care and, and pray about it. Pray without worry, but also we are to pray with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says it this way, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Give thanks. Pray without worry and pray with thanksgiving. Now maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, what do I have to be thankful for? Everything. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Give thanks in everything. Lord, thank you for this day. It's not the day that I expected. It's not the day that I wanted. But thank you for it because you've given it to me to be able to serve you with it. God, thank you for that breath that you gave me. I'm afraid I may have breathed in some germs, but I'm thankful for the breath that you gave me to sustain me for another moment. And God, I'm only here as long as you give me time anyway, so thank you for the breath. Thank you for the ability to get out of bed this morning. Some people couldn't do that today. Lord, thank you for allowing me to do that. Lord, thank you for my children. They don't always behave like I want them to, but thank you for the opportunity to raise children. Some people don't have that opportunity, and you've given that to me. Lord, thank you for that. God, Thank you for my job. Some people don't have a job. And I'm thankful for the job that you gave me to be able to work. God, thank you for your presence that you're always with me. God, thank you that you allowed me to be where I'm at right now today. Isn't it amazing when you think about how God puts people together and how they meet one another? I mean, look across the room today and think of all the different people here and how you all got here. That's only God. Some of you here for the first time today. Some of you have been here a long time. Some of you a short time. God brought you all here. We can thank the Lord for that. Thankful for a comfortable chair to sit on. I'm thankful for air conditioning. I'm, I'm thankful for clothes to wear. I'm thankful for a place to sleep at night. I, I'm thankful for whatever God has given me. Because God's given me everything that I need. But I'm thankful most of all for my salvation in Jesus Christ. He died in my place and in your place that if you will accept Him as your Savior, you can know that you have eternal life as well. I'm thankful for that. Pray without worry. Pray with thanksgiving. I would tell you here we can also see one more thing about our prayer is that we ought to pray about every little thing. He says at the end of the verse, let your requests be made known unto God. That word request is talking about every small little detail that comes up. We can pray about it. Pray about every little thing. God cares about it. You say, well, nobody else cares. God cares. He cares. And He knows. And He can help you. And He can do a work in your life. Pray about every little thing. Be praising. Be poised. Be praying. Number four, you see it in verse seven there. Be at peace. Be at peace as God rules your heart and mind. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know the peace of God is beyond human understanding. He says it right there. It passes all understanding. You say, how can you be at peace? The world's a mess! Because I don't have to be at peace with all... I'm just at peace with the Lord. God, God has me. 
God knows me. When I mess up, I can confess to Him. He forgives me. I, I can be at peace. I can still go work hard. I can still do everything that God puts in my path to be able to do. But I'm at peace. Because God's on the throne. And He's never gotten off. And He never will. Because He's God. He's in charge. I can be at peace. Now, peace is something I think that as you go back to these previous things, it has to be worked towards, right? The peace of God. It'll keep your hearts and minds, but to have that peace, I need to be not worrying, but praying about everything. I need to be praising the Lord in my situation. I need to be reminding myself that the Lord is near, that He's at hand. And so as we face the things that will probably inevitably come over the next few weeks, whether it's a shortage of toilet paper, whether it's a need for food, a more serious need, whether it's a struggle for economic reasons because we can't do the work that we've been doing or things have shut down or things are put on hold. There's a lot of things that can cause us to not have peace. But I believe if we'll follow the Lord's plan, we can experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. You may not have enough money, but we serve a heavenly father. We're his children who has the cattle on a thousand hills and the gold in every mine. It's all his. God will take care of you. Love the story. I'm sure many of you have read of a man by the name of George Mueller who cared for some 2,000 orphans at, at its height. And he never once published what his needs were. There was never a list that said, we need this much food, we need this many gallons of milk, we need this much bread, we need this many outfits, we need this much money. He had made it a point. He said, I want to walk by faith and rely on the Lord. So he prayed about everything. And story after story after story of God providing whether it was the milkman who his cart broke down close by and he needed someplace to get rid of the milk and so he brings it to the door at the morning when they were out of milk or whether it was the baker who God impressed on his heart said, you need to take some bread down to that children's home because they don't have any bread. Whether it was God supplying money through all kinds of unknown places, God took care of their needs. And it's not because... Well, he was George Mueller. No, it's because he was a child of God who placed his faith and trust in God and saw God provide for his needs. We can be at peace. You may have great needs, but we serve a God who shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, be at peace as God rules your heart and mind. This peace is beyond human understanding. This peace will guard and protect you. It'll protect your heart, your emotions. That's what it means when it says, and He will keep your heart and mind. He'll keep your heart. Let God guard your emotions. There's a lot that can cause people to be emotionally very upset. Being emotionally upset is not being at peace. means I need to give this to the Lord. Oh, I'm still... Give it back to the Lord, right? And we kind of do this tug of war with God sometimes, don't we? God, I'm upset. Okay, I'm going to give it to you. Let me take a little bit of back because I want to stay upset. I'll give it back to Him. Give it back to Him. Sometimes it takes practice to do that, discipline to do that, almost training ourselves to do that, doesn't it? Because we love to take it back. Because it kind of makes us feel good to have something to worry about. Because when we're worrying about it, it's because we're trying to control it. It says, no, you want to be at peace. Let me be in control. Give it to me. He'll guard your heart and he'll also guard your mind, your thoughts, your will. I was reading, probably some of you have seen this. Um, there was a, a bad disease that was going around during the days of... Uh, Isaac Newton, and they closed down the school where he was teaching. So he went home and he 
figured out during that time the laws of gravity and further developed calculus. He used his mind pretty well during that time where he couldn't do what he had planned to do. Isn't that interesting? I was reading about others who, uh, I think it was Shakespeare, they closed down the theater where he was working because of the plague, and he went home and wrote King Lear. Pretty good use of his time. Something that's endured in literature to this day. There were many other examples that I read about this week of people who said, well, I can't do what I'd planned to do, so I'm going to do something wonderful. This wasn't because of a disease, but John Bunyan was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. He couldn't go and preach anymore, and so he sat in prison with nothing to do except to write Pilgrim's Progress that people have now read for generations. And I think other than the Bible is like the best-selling book of all time. So you can be at peace in your heart and mind and allow God to use your heart and mind to do a great work for Him, to do a great work as you're removed out of some of the craziness and busyness because you may not have to go to work. Now you may say, I need to go to work. But say, God, you've allowed this in my life. I want to be at peace. God, what can I do with my time? I can sit and stare at the news all day and be worried, and be afraid. Or I can take care of what I need to take care of, and it's going to take longer to go to the grocery store. It's going to take longer to do the things that you would normally get done quickly. That may take longer. But Lord, when I'm home, don't let me just sit there on my phone all day. Don't let me just sit there staring at the TV all day. Don't just let me sit there worried in bed all day. God, help me to do something with my time to be profitable. Maybe some of you are going to write a book. I don't know. Maybe somebody's going to say, you know what, I'm going to memorize a chapter of Scripture. It would be a good use of our time. You can't even watch sports right now. I mean, I think it's like bowling and chess. I would challenge you to do that. Instead of just spending your, all your time, you know, catching up on every TV show for the last 10 years or something like that, spend your time doing something profitable. You see, when the peace of God guards your heart and guards your mind, the peace that passes all understanding, it gives us the ability, just like it gave the Apostle Paul the ability to write these words while he's locked up in prison, expecting that he may be about to die. What's Paul doing? Writing Philippians. I'm so glad that he did. The peace of God shall keep your heart and mind but I would tell you this, the peace of God can only come when you are at peace with God. Amen. Being at peace with God allows us to have the peace of God. What do I mean by that? Well, the, this peace is found in Christ Jesus. If you look in your Bible in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, these two verses help us to understand how the peace of God comes from being at peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 2 says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Here's the confidence that comes from the peace of God that is obtained because this individual is at peace with God. They have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The peace of God comes when we are at peace with God. To be at peace with God means that we know that we have been justified by faith. Our sins have been forgiven. By grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If the worst thing were to happen to you today, you were to die, where would you go? The Bible teaches very simply, 
you would go to one of two places, either to heaven or to hell. The Bible also teaches, though, that you can know that you're on your way to heaven. 1 John chapter 5 tells us, But these are written that ye may know. The Bible tells us, let me read the verse to you because I'm going to mess it up here in the moment. First John 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. The Bible tells us we can know that we have eternal life. But that eternal life comes through the belief on the name of the Son of God, who Jesus is and what He's done for us. Jesus very simply has died in our place. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That sounds very straightforward. What? Believe in God, have everlasting life. And it is very straightforward. See, there's a problem that all, and is the reason we all must believe in God. The Bible says it this way, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So no matter how much you try to do to be with God, you can't get to God on your own because you've sinned. And the Bible also then continues on with that idea by saying in Romans 6 and verse 23, For the wages of sin is Death. So you've fallen short of God's glory, and because you've fallen short of God's glory, the wage for your sin, the payment for your sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we can have that gift. Well, how do I get it? I mean, that's every child's desire at Christmas. How can I get into that present? How can it be mine? Well, it's got my name on it. And I would tell you that this gift of salvation has your name on it. It's available to all. But the Bible says very simply, if you want this gift, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In that same chapter, verse 13, very simply states, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here this morning, if you're listening online, if you watch this a year from now, I want you to know you can be saved. You can be at peace with God. Your sin makes you an enemy of God. But through Jesus Christ and His death on your behalf, if you'll trust in Him, confessing your sin, tell Him you're sorry for your sin and ask Jesus to save you. He will do it and He'll do it right now. What a blessing. And so then you can read 1 John 5.13 for yourself when you see that it says these things. Have I written unto you, to me, I believe this, that believe on the name of the Son of God. Why? That ye, that I may know that I have eternal life. That's the greatest thing in all the world. You know the Lord is at hand. Why? Because I have eternal life. I'm resting in Him. I can have moderation. I can praise the Lord for what He's done. I can be praying about everything because I'm praying to the Lord who saved me from my sin. And if He can give me eternal life, He can take care of my needs right here, right now, where I'm living today. And I can be at peace with God. And because I'm at peace with God, I can experience the peace of God. It's amazing to me studying this passage because... He's still not done giving us reasons and ways to walk worthy in our crisis. We've seen, number one, that 
We are to be praising. Number two, that we are to be poised in every situation. That we should be praying about everything. That we should be at peace in every circumstance. But number five, he says in verse eight, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise... Think on these things. What are you pondering on? What are you thinking about? Where's your mind this morning? I hope that whether you're sitting here or listening at home, that your mind is being put back in tune to the Word of God. There's a lot of other things that may have gotten your mind on other things this week, and that's natural, right? It's what we see. It's what we think about, right? It's what's around us. It's what we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. What are you thinking about? What are you pondering on this morning? He tells us here how we are to think. We need to think on things that are true. That means things that are true in their character, that it really is truth. How do we know what truth is? Well, Jesus, very clearly, we know that God's word is truth. He said it, thy word is truth. Think on things that are true. Think on things that are honest. These are things that are to be venerated for their character or honorable things. Some people will use this time to blame other people for it. Some will use it to be upset about how everybody else is responding to it. Thinking about all that stuff all the time. No, let, let's ponder the things that are true. The things that are honest. The things that are just, righteous, and upright. The things that are pure. Lovely things. Acceptable, pleasing, winsome, amiable things. The things that are of good report. And it's hard in a world of lots of reporting going on to figure out what's a good report. Here's the wonderful thing. As a Christian, God's given you a tool to determine what is good report and what's not. It's called His Word. Say, really? How how does that work? Well, there are going to be some things that get reported in the next few days, and we won't be sure what's true and what's not. And so we may not know for sure about those things, but we do know one thing for sure, what God has said in His Word. So I may not be sure exactly how the germs are going to work. I may not be totally sure of who's infected and who's not. I may not be totally sure what my response should be in those situations, but I can be sure that I can still praise the Lord, that I can still be poised in the situation. I'm not sure what to do, but God, help me to be at peace. I can pray about it. God will give wisdom. Help us to know what to do. What are you pondering on? What are you thinking on? We need to be thinking on things that are virtuous and things that are praiseworthy. To think means to concentrate on, to consider, to take into account, to meditate on. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Your thoughts are going to want to run wild. Bring them into captivity and say, God, help me to think on things that are true and righteous. Avoid negative, frivolous speaking people. People that don't speak the truth. People that are just tearing other people down. That's not worth your time to think about. Ponder the truth. Think on truth. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. If you can't go to work, school, out with friends, even come to church. We don't know what's going to happen a week from now. Focus on the truth. Take time to catch up on your Bible reading. Some people say, well, I've been trying to read through my Bible this year, and I just didn't have time. It's been busy. God says, here's some free time to read your Bible. Okay, Get caught up. You might even get ahead. Wouldn't that be a blessing? 
Somebody said, well, because of the virus, I read through my Bible two times this year. It wouldn't hurt you. In fact, that'd probably be some of the best medicine that you could take. I tell you, it's the medicine this world needs. We don't need the cure for the virus so much as we need Jesus. But all these things deal with our internal thoughts, our emotions. Be praising, be poised, be praying, be at peace, be pondering. And if you will control your mind and heart, allow God to control those things through His Word, through His truth, focusing on Him, then you are well on your way to walking worthy in crisis. But the final step in walking worthy in your crisis is what you do with what you know. That's why verse 9 says this, those things which you both learned, received, heard, seen in me, do. Brother Joe has a good point, a uh, good P. His is practice. Mine was be proactive. Either one works. Put it into practice. Be proactive about it. Do what God wants you to do. One of the things that happens when we're afraid is. We don't do anything. Or when we do something, we do the wrong thing. Both are wrong responses. God didn't call us to paralysis. And He didn't tell us to go crazy, lose our minds. But He's told us to do the right thing. The things that you've learned, right? He says you've learned it. The things you've received, you've received it well. He says, the things you've heard. I almost think that is stuff you've been reminded about. Because you've already learned it. You've already seen it. I mean, you've already received it. Now you've heard it again. And you've seen it. If you read history, if you read the Bible, you've seen people able to be faithful and walk worthy in their crisis. You've seen it. And if you haven't seen it, take some time to read the book of Philippians. Read the book of Acts. Read the book of 2 Timothy. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. And he says, if you do these things, the end of verse 9, and the God of peace shall be with you. Do you remember the name the book of Matthew that was given to Jesus by the angels before he was even born, they said he shall be called Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? God with us. You see, this world was in a crisis. It wasn't a crisis of just a disease, even though that is a crisis but a greater crisis that not just infects a percentage of the population. This is a crisis that infects 100% of every person who has ever lived, who is living, or who ever will live. And so God sent the answer to that crisis. His name was Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. See, that crisis is sin. And he says here, if we'll do these things, he's talking to believers, he's talking to Christians, he's talking to people already saved. We will experience God with us in our crisis. And the peace of God shall be with you. So this morning, are you at peace with God?
Have you trusted him as your savior? If you haven't, don't leave today. Don't turn off your stream at home without trusting in the Lord and asking him to forgive your sin. That would be the greatest testimony to the glory and greatness of God in the midst of a crisis that there could ever be, that souls would be saved and turned to Jesus. Don't put it off anymore. Don't wait. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not even guaranteed the next minute or next hour. Take what God's given you right now and say, God, I'm going to respond to your truth, respond to your love, confess my sin, and ask Jesus to save me, and he'll do it. But if you've already done that this morning, I would just challenge you. God has given us a great opportunity. It's an opportunity for, first for us to grow. Right? This is a test for each one of us. How am I going to respond? What are my words going to be? Our prayer ought to be, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. It's a test for us to help us grow, but it's also an opportunity for us to share the great message that Jesus saves, that there is hope for the hurting, that there is help in Jesus. Don't pass up the opportunity to share the good news, even in the midst of your crisis. It's going to be a challenge. I know there are going to be things that we're not going to be sure how to respond. I'll probably be making another video in a couple of days. All right, here's what we're going to do about this, and we're going to do about that. And that's okay. That's what we have to do. We need to communicate with one another. You ought to call somebody who can't be here today and check on them and encourage them and let them know, hey, we miss seeing you, but we understand and we love you and we're praying for you and praying that God will remove all this virus soon and that we can be all back together again and we'll have our celebration Sunday and I know we wanted tacos and all that. We're going to get it all together again as best we know in the Lord's will. Call somebody, encourage somebody whether it's somebody in our church or outside of our church. This is a great opportunity. Yesterday, I just took my phone and I started going through my phone book and calling people. And once I finished that, I opened up the church database and I just started calling people. Other people were texting me. Other people called. It's a blessing. I got texts even late last night from people saying, hey, I'm praying for you and your family. Isn't it encouraging that God would use something like this to bring people closer to each other? It's, all, it's ironic, isn't it, that in a time of social distancing, that spiritual nearness is being emphasized. And it should be. You may not be able to go to somebody's house soon, but you can still pick up the phone. Because the virus doesn't travel through the phone line. Maybe if you're still using the tin can with the string, I don't know. But you should be okay. Maybe you're going to the grocery store and you're going to brave the dangers of Kroger, Walmart. Maybe call somebody who can't get there and say, is there something I can try to pick up for you while I'm there? Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Be an encouragement. You're going to have some extra opportunities to minister right now. And it may just be right in your little circle. You know, it might just be you and your neighbors. It might be you and your family. It might be you and your co-workers. It might be you and a few people in the church. Let's be the church. Let's love. Let's serve. Let's be who God wants us to be. And let's keep our eyes on Christ. The author and finisher of our faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we need you. Too often as Christians, we are looked at by our society as naive, foolish, have our heads in the sand, really misunderstanding what's going on around us. 
But Lord, in your word, you're very clear that the preaching of the word is considered to many to be foolishness. It's foolishness if they don't know God, they don't know you. Lord, help us as believers to be willing to be considered foolish by others, but that we might be counted faithful by you. Help us, no matter what comes, today, tomorrow, week, even a month or more from now, to keep our eyes on you. And take these simple thoughts, mine are simple, Lord, yours are, you have so much richness to them. Take your word and use it in our hearts to help us to be faithful and to walk with you. And Lord, if there's somebody today that does not know you as Savior, I pray that they'd be saved before today's over. Even right now, in their seat or where they're sitting, they'd pray to you and ask you to save them from their sin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The piano's going to come and play. Our, our president today is called this a national day of prayer. And whether you like him or not is not important because we can pray to the same God this morning if you know Jesus as your Savior. I'd encourage you right now, just in your seat, let's take some time to pray. Maybe there's somebody you'd like to pray for. Maybe there's something in your own heart you'd like to pray about. If you'd like me to pray with you, you can slip up here. I don't even have to hug you or shake your hand, but we can still pray together. So let's just take a few minutes as the piano plays. Let's take some time in prayer asking God to help us to be faithful to Him.